I appreciate the song. Were you blessed? Let me hear you say amen if you were blessed. Amen? amen. And I like, actually, I, I like that title, Living Waters Singing Group. Um, believe it or not, that's the name of our school of the prophets that um, we're starting. It's called the Living Waters School of the Prophets. So um, the Holy Spirit is leading um, on different hearts for the, the, the same name. So I praise God for that. Living Waters Singing Group. Well, good morning, church. God is truly good to us. Amen. Have you been blessed so far? Have you been blessed? Let me hear you say amen. amen. I've been blessed by the testimonies. I've been spiritually fed by the fellowship here. And God is truly going to visit us here this morning. I invite you to turn to me to our opening text in your Bible as we study together your word. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14 is our opening text. Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 14 and there's something when you open the word and you follow along you know when i listen to sermons and i just listen to the sermon on a cd or whatever i'm blessed but i know that when i open the word and i follow along with the speaker the word the word comes out and it has much more power and notice in my life and i can experience it so as we open together and we study in ezekiel chapter 28 verse 14 the sermon entitled this morning is from the series as you know it's on your paper the series I'm doing is called The Ultimate Love Story. The Ultimate Love Story, which is the love story of God's love for you and me here this morning, beloved. Amen? So this is the second sermon in a series, and the series, sermon entitled this morning is, the sermon is entitled, Sin's Distorted Picture. Sin's Distorted Picture. We've learned in the last sermon that what Moses wanted to see more than anything else was as he was on the verge of the promised land. What was he wanting to see? Do you remember what he wanted to see? What does he want to see? God's what? God's glory. Which is his? God's glory is his. What is it? What else is God's glory? His character. What else is besides God's glory is his character that we learn is God's glory? What else? His name. Very good. What else besides God's glory is his name, is his character. What else is it? God's glory. Goodness. Very good. Good students. Praise the Lord. So God's glory is his character. His name is goodness. So there's a reason why Moses was praying that prayer. Lord, show me your glory in Exodus, right? Chapter 33. Show me your glory because he wanted to see God's goodness on the, as he was about to enter into the, the promised land. And beloved, the same is true for us today. As we're on the verge of the heavenly Canaan today, God wants us to realize, He wants us to see the goodness of God here this morning. Do you want to see God's goodness this morning? If you believe that? Let me hear you say amen. amen. Amen? I want to see God's goodness. I want to see His love. And we're going to see why it is important to see that here this morning. God wants us to be set free. Free from the distorted views of God that's out there. Free from the lies and rumors of His character that even Christians teach to other people. Free from the misrepresentation of his goodness that even churches are proclaiming today. God wants to set us free. So this morning we take a closer look at the relationship between our picture of God and our obedience. May we be set free from the bondage of Satan's lies. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What did Satan do up in heaven? Let's 
look what happened in heaven and let's go down from there. Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 14 is talking about Lucifer and Lucifer was in 14 says, you art, Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covereth. Now in the heavenly sanctuary he had the throne and on, over the throne there are two angels and the one that was the anointed cherub or the lead angel in heaven was Lu none other than Lucifer himself. He had a special glory and beauty given to him by God himself. But what happened because of this? Look at verse 17. God says, your heart, Lucifer, within your heart, you were lifted up or you became prideful and arrogant because of your beauty. In other words, the very beauty that was meant to be a blessing by Lucifer to all the other angels was the very means that corrupted the heart of Lucifer and became prideful. And then it says here, then it knows what it says next. Verse 17, you lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom. Now according to the Bible, all wisdom is comes only from God. And all truism is only of a knowledge or a truth about God. So in other words, when he had the pride within him, it corrupted his picture of the knowledge and the truth about God and who God is. That corruption in his heart began there, and he started to despise God. He started to put a false picture of who God was. And he didn't like God. And that was the beginning of the first gossip that ever happened, beloved. The first rumor that ever went around began in the heart of one who was corrupted in his heart because of his beauty and his pride and began to talk lies about God behind his back. You follow me, beloved? What happened next? Verse 18, talking about Lucifer. You have defiled your sanctuaries or temples. Who are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says? The body. So he defiled sanctuaries or body temples or heavenly body temples, which were the angels. He defiled or polluted or corrupted these heavenly angels by the multitude of your sins or deceptions by the iniquity or the sin of your traffic or the trade or your work, by the trade of his work, the, tra the sins or the deception of his work, of his trade, of his traffic, the deception of Lucifer's work, the work that he used up in heaven, beloved, was dishonesty and deception by the use of talking about someone behind the back, which was only lies. You see that? So Lucifer went around talking about his very work up there in heaven was to deceive the angels, the corruption that began in his heart about the true character of God. He, he went about to misrepresent a God who was, is love and who is good to a God who is evil and corrupt. Now, why do you think his purpose was in doing this? Why would he want to do this in the first place? His beauty, right? His pride. Where do you think that he wanted the loyalty to be transferred to? Who do you think he wanted really down deep in his heart to get the loyalty and the allegiance and the respect of to himself, wasn't it? 
Isn't that the origin of all those who talk evil of other people? They want to transfer their loyalty and allegiance from God. That's what he's trying to do in heaven, to speak evil things and bring that loyalty to him, the one that will solve all the problems that he himself is creating. So that's what he did up in heaven. Look at these quotes here on your handout here. A couple of quotes here about Lucifer. Lucifer went forth to disfuse diffuse the spirit of discontent among the angels. See, everything was good before he came, but he had to create a problem first, and then he's going to present the solution, which is himself, right? A spirit of discontent. He worked with what type of secrecy? Mysterious secrecy. He's going around spreading rumors, gossiping, talking behind God's back, speaking evil, Right? Is that how he works? And for a time concealed his real purpose. Do you think the angels knew what he was doing? He didn't know. The angels didn't know. For a time concealed his real purpose under an appearance of reverence for God. He's doing what's best for the kingdom. What's best for the people. He's doing this for the sake of the kingdom and reverence for God, he began to insinuate doubts concerning the laws that govern heavenly beings. In other words, the way things are done is not good. It's not a good way how things are run. Let me tell you a better way how we should be doing it. You ever heard that before? You hear in your workplaces, right? Why are they doing this way? It should be done this way because this is the right way to do it. You ever heard that before? Sometimes you even hear that even in churches. Don't you hear that sometimes? People say, well, that's not the way the things should be done. But let me tell you the way it should be done. Notice what I said in the next paragraph. He had so artfully instilled into the minds his own distrust and discontent that his agency, his traffic, his trade, his work was not discerned, wasn't dishonest, is in heaven. Lucifer had presented the purposes of God in a false light misconstruing and distorting them to excite dissent and dissatisfaction. Hmm. Next, the next bold. While claiming for himself perfect loyalty to God, he urged that changes in the order and laws of heaven were necessary for the stability of the divine government. There must be changes. Things must be done this way because if it's not done this way, things are going to crumble. Is this not going to work out? You must do it this way. Thus, the answer to the problem is presented before the people. Do you see that, beloved? Look at the bottom, the bold. While secretly fomenting discord and rebellion, he would consummate craft, cause it to appear as his sole purpose to promote loyalty and to preserve harmony and peace. He was a peacemaker. He was the one to make harmony. He was the one that makes everything so good that if you only listen to him, everything will be perfect but he was the very one that was creating the evils within the heavenly government. Do you see that, beloved? And he did it under the deception of his traffic, his trade, his work was dishonest and deceptive. So much so that we're told up to half the angels believed Lucifer over God himself because the method he used was deceptive. Now, 
What are the characteristics of the Antichrist here on this earth? Let's look at this Bible text here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Notice what the Bible says. What is the characteristic of the Antichrist here on this earth? The Bible says, Who is a liar but he that denies or rejects that Jesus is the Christ? That is a person who is a liar. Notice what it says here. He is Antichrist that denies or rejects the Father and the Son. In other words, the basic foundational principle of the Antichrist on this earth is this that it rejects the character of God the Father and the character of Jesus Christ. How does it do that? Through false doctrines. Every single false doctrine that is being taught and preached out there today, whatever it may be, even within our church or in other churches, every single false doctrine is founded upon the principle that it rejects the true character of God. It paints God in a false picture that you cannot love such a God such as Him. The one that's presenting is painting the picture that you will not love a God so evil and so cruel as this God. And every, found, every single false doctrine is founded upon that principle. And not only that, the second characteristic it says in this Bible is that the person who denies Jesus Christ is also a liar. Why is that? Because you're lying about the true character of God. You're speaking about his, behind his back. You're talking lies and evils about false doctrines that paints the government of God in a wrong way. And thus you're lying about who God is by your very things that you teach about God. You see, Satan brought the same work that he did up in heaven, and now he brought it to this earth. And the very same misrepresentation of God's character he did up in heaven. He brought it to this earth and he brought it not only to the people out there, but he brought it inside of God's churches so that people would believe the false character of who God really is. Look at these quotes here again on the inside left um, of your handouts here. Notice what the inspiration says. There's some good quotes. It says, you know, the, the, by the way, before this, Matthew 18 says, the correct way to reach people. It is something that there was, is done wrong. The only way we're supposed to go to people is that we're supposed to go to that person one-on-one -on -one first between him and thee alone, right? We're not supposed to be calling someone out and saying, you know, this person did this and did that. We're supposed to go to that person one-on-one, -on -one, right? And make sure that things are right between that person and ourselves and not be talking on the telephone about someone else if you have not talked to that person, beloved. Amen? Amen? That is God's way. And let me share with you this morning. Like I said before, you know when I preach sermons, God speaks to me first. And so I know that as I did this sermon, that this message was really for me. And I know that this is something, an error of evil speaking that God is convicting me on an error where I needed to repent before God. And so before the church, I apologize before the church for evil speaking of others and ask for your forgiveness. So let me share with you these quotes. 
It says, you have excused yourself for speaking evil of your brother or sister or neighbor to others before going to him and taking the steps which God has absolutely commanded. You say, why? I did not speak to anyone until I was so burdened that I could not refrain. What burdened you? You said, I had a burden. I had to share with somebody. Was it not a plain neglect of your own duty of a thus say the Lord? You were under the guilt of sin because you did not go and tell the offender his fault between you and him alone. Matthew 18, right? You need to go between you and that person alone. On the bottom, God reproves you for two sins. The first sin is omission, not doing something. He reproves you for the sin of omission and not telling your brother his fault. Talking about your brother when you didn't approach him first. Number one, that's the first sin. And you, you excuse and comfort yourself by sin of commission. What? By doing something. By telling your brother's faults to another person before you even talk to that person. Is this the right way to purchase ease by committing sin, beloved, this morning? You see... When we hear something about someone and we go out and we call someone up to tell them about what we heard, we are committing the exact same sin that originated up there in heaven, beloved. That sin is what destroyed and took one-third of the angels, and that sin is destroying God's churches here today, beloved. Amen? Not only are we to speak no evil, the Bible says. The Bible says speak no evil of no man. Notice what the Bible says here. Notice it says inspiration. Not only to speak no evil, notice it says, it says here in the next paragraph, hear no, hear evil of no man, beloved. Amen? If there be no hearers, there be no speakers of evil. Amen? I mean, you can gossip all you want, but if the church decides, hey, wait a minute, I'm not even going to not going to even speak evil. I'm not even going to hear evil this morning, beloved. Amen? If anyone speaks evil in your presence, check him. Hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. I don't want to hear it. If this is about someone else first, don't tell me. Right? Refuse to hear him, though his manner be ever so soft and his accents mild. He may profess attachment and yet throw out covert hints and stab that character in the dark. Resolutely refuse to hear Though the whisperer complains of being burdened till he speaks. I got to share this with you. You ever heard that before? You ever got a phone call and said, I got to share this with you. So-and-so this and so-and-so that. You ever heard that before? Is this not a dangerous thing to do in God's church? You know, even sometimes in prayer meetings, we call it, um, I call it sanctified gossip. We can say, oh, pray for so-and-so because he did this. You ever heard that before? Pray for so-and-so because she did that. Do we not have to be very careful in what we do? You know, something about beholding, you become changed. If you're beholding good things, you become changed into good things, right? But if you're beholding negative things all the time, you know what happens to you? You're the very one that suffers spiritually. And you wonder why, why am I discouraged? Why am I spiritually depressed? Why am I not growing? Because you're focusing only on the negative thing that's going on in the church, right, beloved? Amen? You got to focus on the positive things. What you behold, you become. I know it's when someone, there's this one saint that always felt it was their duty to call me up and tell me about all the problems of all the people within the church. They felt it was their duty. 
They felt me, that's the calling. And I realized, why am I struggling spiritually? Why am I going through such a hard time? And I realized, maybe it is because they feel like maybe we need to know about all these evils. But beloved, you don't need to know about the evils. There's enough evils in this world to worry about, beloved. Amen? We don't need to hear about this. And so what God's going to work it out in his church, he's always done it in the past. He's the head of the church. He can work it out. So I told that person, you know, finally I realized that this is what's killing me spiritually. So the person said, you know, and I tapped away, said, I cannot hear this anymore. It discouraged me. I'm getting this, this depressed spiritually. I don't want to hear any more anymore. You know what? Ever since they stopped calling me, I've been having a, a, a powerful spiritual walk with Jesus Christ, beloved. Amen? And some of us need to say, hey, wait, when they call you up, say, hey, wait, I don't want to listen anymore. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to check you on this. Unless it's going to be talking about someone else, I don't want to hear about it. You know why? Because you're the one that's going to die spiritually. Not the person you're talking about, but you're the one that's going to die because you're the one that's talking about negative things. Isn't that true, beloved? Amen? You think you're hurting that person, but spiritually, talking spiritually, you may hurt them maybe emotionally or mentally, but when you come down to spirituality, the only person that's hurt by all that is you here this morning, beloved. Amen? And you want to walk with a close walk with God and not allow anyone to come in between you and the one whom you love with all your heart, beloved. Amen? So I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. If you have not talked to that person already, I don't. Even if you did, don't tell me unless we go together at the second step. And I want to hear it in person from that person, not from you. Amen? Amen. What does the Bible say about the evils of the tongue? Turn to James chapter 3, verse 5. James chapter 3, verse 5 in your Bibles. Right before, you know, around Hebrews. James, right after Hebrews, James chapter 3, verse 5 to 10. Notice what the Bible says about the tongue. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's only a little muscle in your, in your body, is it not? But it boasted great things. You ever heard of people with a little tongue but it can boast so much about itself, like they're the king or whatever, right? You ever heard that before? Talking about what they did and what they can do and themselves. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. Hmm. A little piece of muscle in your mouth. Can it not create great things? Can it start great fights and great wars in this world? This a little muscle in your body called the tongue. Has it not started many battles and wars in this world and fights even in the home? Right? Husbands and wife and children and parents, and parents and children and brothers and sisters. Notice verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, of sin. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and set it on fire the course of nature. And it, the tongue, is set on fire of hell. You believe that? Let me say amen. Amen? You see the power of what the tongue can do, right? Seven. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You ever been poisoned by someone else's tongue this morning? <laughs> Amen. Nine. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, with the tongue, 
And therewith curse we men with the tongue, which are made after the similitude of God. Listen to this. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brothers and sisters, these things are not to be so here this morning, beloved. Amen? Out of the same mouth is coming blessings one time, and the next moment is coming out cursings at the next moment. In other words, one moment you have a microphone in your hand, and you're giving thanksgiving to God in your testimony, Well, the next moment when you get home tonight, you're calling someone on the phone speaking evil about another person. Are you following me, beloved? One moment you're singing praises to God out of your hymnal here this morning. The next thing you're doing is you're cursing another person. One moment you're sending beautiful prayers up to heaven during your worship time in the morning. Or the next moment you're listening to rumors on the telephone. Are these not to be, are these to be in God's church, beloved? It may be in your workplaces. People talk about people all the time. It may be out in the world, maybe in your classes, in your schools that you go to. It may be out there, but God says these things are not to be within God's church here this morning. And you believe what I'm saying? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. These things are not to be so. We are not to follow what Satan has done in this world. Look at the quote number five. Listen to this. On the bottom, the inside left bottom. If jealousy, listen to this. If jealousy, evil surmising, in other words, you're thinking e- evil surmising, mean you're thinking evil, you're putting wrong thoughts into another person. You ever done that before? Someone did that to you? The reason they did, they did this because of this or because of that. Most likely it's not even true. If jealousy, evil surmising, and evil speaking, what is evil speaking? Exactly what it says. You're speaking evil of other people. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. If jealousy, evil surmising, and evil speaking are allowed to have a place in the church, that church is under the frown of God here this morning, beloved. Do you see that? It will be spiritually unhealthy, that church will be spiritually unhealthy until it is cleansed from these sins. For till then, God cannot reveal his power to strengthen and elevate his people and give them the victory here this morning, beloved. Amen? Until God's people take these sins hence out of God's church, God cannot truly bless his people and his church. And let me tell you a thing about Hawaii. Hawaii is so famous for the coconut wireless, they call it now, right? The coconut wire, but coconut wireless, right? Do you know that they did this? Do you know that they did that? Why are they doing it this way? Why are they doing it that way? You ever heard that before? In God's church? And God's frown is upon his people and he can never bless his church until those things is cleansed and taken hence from God's holy people, his assembly, beloved. Amen? He will never bless the Honokai church unless it's totally cleansed from us and God gets this out of our hearts and he totally cleansed our body temples of all this corruption that was started up in heaven, beloved. Amen? And see, the reason why God hates the sin of evil speaking and gossiping so much is not only because it's wrong, but one of the main reasons why God hates these sins so much is because every time he hears someone talk about someone else behind their back, 
He immediately remembers all the lies that are being spoken about him. And thus he immediately feels the pain, beloved. Every time that, that the email goes forth and he, the lies go forward, or even if it's truth, he didn't follow God's way. Every time he was speaking and spoken about someone, he feels the pain of the lies spoken about him when he was up in heaven. And one third of his angels whom he created believed the lies and left heaven. Every time that phone call rings and he picks up the receiver and the person gladly receives the evil report of another person, especially in God's church, he feels the heartache and the burden of his heart because he himself sees the lies of the churches spreading about his character of love. Every time another member says, come, to, come, come, I want to tell you something. I'm burdened, I've got to share this with you. Every time they pull you on the side and says, and he sees the lies being spread, he sees the, the evil speaking, evil smiling. Every time he sees that, he is stung to the depths of his soul and his heart is pierced because he sees how people are talking and giving a false picture of a God who is truly loved this morning. Not only because it's wrong, but because he feels the pain of everyone who's been misrepresented, mistreated, talked evil about. He feels the pain of every single one of them. Now, what does Satan try to do? Turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Genesis in your Bibles, chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. How did Satan get Eve to eat the fruit? Now, we're talking about misrepresenting God's character. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. How did Satan get Eve to eat the fruit? Did he say, hey Eve, here's a fruit. Come and eat it. Here, take and eat the fruit. Did he say that? Notice what he did. Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? In other words, he's insinuating that God did say, don't eat of, uh, well, first of all, verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she said, We can eat of all the fruit except one tree. And note what the serpent said in verse 4. The serpent said unto the woman, You will not surely die. And what he was saying is, is that, God lied to you. Don't believe God. He's a liar. Don't trust God at all. And the second thing he said is, verse 5, For God does know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In other words, when you eat this fruit, you're going to be just like God. But God is very selfish. And he wants to enjoy all the benefits all to himself of being the only God. He's a very selfish God. Therefore, she concluded in her mind. She said in her mind, if God, she said in her mind, if God was someone whom I, can, I cannot trust, and someone who only cares about himself, then why should I listen to God? If he doesn't care about me, then I shouldn't care about him. In fact, if he's not going to take care of me, then who's going to take care of me? I might as well eat that fruit so I can become a god and take care of myself. 
On top of that, if God is a God I cannot trust, if God is one who is selfish, who can love a God like that, right? And when her, see, Lucifer is looking at getting Eve to change her mind about God. Before that, she saw God was a loving God that loved her, and she gladly served and obeyed God. But when she saw that God was a selfish and a God you couldn't trust, then her affections was turned away from God to herself. Are you following me, beloved? And thus, she ate the fruit. Now, notice these quotes here inside your back page here, on the, the, the back right. It says here, it was through Satan's misrepresentation of God's character. Remember God's character? That man was led to doubt the reality of his love. In other words, God loves you here this morning, beloved. Amen? Do you believe that? God loves you this morning with an everlasting love. And what Satan comes to you, even to pastors and preachers and churches and other church members, he, to false doctrines and teachings and even what's said in even Sabbath school, he comes with these doubts of sayings that's not biblical that makes God not to be loved this morning. Look at the next quote. And came to look upon God as an enemy. The next quote says, but the same misrepresentation of the character of God as he had practiced in heaven, causing him to be regarded as, as severe and tyrannical, Satan induced man to sin. In other words, Satan doesn't come with you just a temptation to sin. If you love God, you're not going to sin. So what he does, when he comes and he comes in your mind, he makes you have a false picture of who God is, that he's not love, that he's evil, he's cruel. And once he changes your picture of God and you don't love God, then he gets you with the temptation to sin because now you don't love God. So why should you serve a God you don't love? Why should you obey a God that you do not love? And that's how he came. In other words, look at that quote. Look at that, um, that thing I had, false picture. A false picture of God leads us to not love God, which leads us to sin and not to obey and serve him. In other words, beloved, our churches are in a Laodicean state. The fact that you this morning and me, the fact that the churches are not living obedient lives to all the truth that they know, the fact that we're not serving God with all of our hearts and every second we're thinking about serving God, the fact that we're not doing these things is proof enough that we do not really love God here this morning, beloved. Amen? We do not really, God. It is just a symptom. The fact that we're not being obedient to God's word, the fact that we are not serving God with all of our hearts, as you read the people who raised up this great church, they gave everything to serve God. They sacrificed everything, even their food. They went with hunger just to buy one more track to get it out to Risa's loss. They sacrificed their very lives for the truth and in the word of God. And the reason why we are not doing it is because we do not really love God here this morning. And thus, the truth that we really don't love God is proof enough that we really don't know who God is this morning, beloved. Amen? For if we truly knew God, we would love God, wouldn't we? For God is love. And to know him is to love him here this morning, beloved. Amen? 
In other words, it is proof to us that Satan has come in and somehow distorted our picture of God, that we don't really know God, and that's why we don't love God, and that's why we don't be obedient and serve God with all of our heart, because our picture of God has become distorted by Satan himself. What does sin do? Turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 in your Bibles. Notice the Bible says, what does sin do? Now we know that a false picture leads to sin, but what does sin do? Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short. In other words, God is there for you. His hand is always stretched out toward you that it cannot save. He will save you. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. If you cry for help, God will hear you, hear you, and he will help you. He is always there for you. And then the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his faith from you that he would not hear this morning. My question, what separates us from God? Our sin. This is how some of us read it. We read it like this. But just, but... Your God has separated between you and him because of your sin. Do we not read it that way? Do we not read sometimes like, it is God because he's angry, we sin, and he's the one that's separating himself from us. But the Bible says clearly that your sins is what separates between God and you. It's sin that breaks the relationship, not God because of your sins. Are you following me, beloved? Sin separates us from God. Sin destroys the relationship here this morning. And God is always there for us, beloved. Our sins have hindered and separated us from him. Now, how is this so? Look back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. Notice what it says here. After they ate the fruit, notice what happened. The Bible says, and the eyes of them, Adam and Eve, verse 7, both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in a garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. My question, before this time, did they ever run away from God? They never did. God is love. They love God. Now, does God change? God never changes. Does he still love us whether we're good or bad, beloved? Amen? He loves us, right? So God didn't change. He still loved them. If God didn't change, then who did? They changed. There's something, the guilt, the shame that happened in their own minds that changed them. And that's why they hid from God. Verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why were they afraid? They were never afraid of God before. Somehow the picture of God, they had become ignorant of the character of God, ignorant of who God was. Because of sin. Now notice what the next quote here on your handouts here. The last quote, it says, uh, the bold print, Had Adam and Eve never disobeyed their Creator, had they remained in the path of perfect rectitude, they could have known and understood God. They would have known and understood His character. But when they listened to the voice of the tempter and sinned against God, 
the light of the garments of heavenly innocence departed from them. And in parting with the garments of innocence, when they sinned, they drew about them the dark, not light, but dark robes of ignorance of God. Are you following me, beloved? In other words, when you sin, whenever you sin and every time you sin, something happens in your mind with the guilt and the shame that comes and it affects your mind that you end up knowing less of who God really is. There is an ignorance that comes with sin in your mind that you do not see who God really is and thus you love him a little less because of that sin. And Satan uses that sin to warp and to distort your picture of God and get you into a vicious cycle of sin. Look at your, this quote here on the bottom. It says, sin produces a false picture of God. You become ignorant of God. It leads us not to love God and leads us back into sin again. It's a vicious cycle of sin and falling into a spiritual depression. You see, with every sin that you sin, your picture becomes more distorted until you're not able to see the goodness of God's character. And beloved, if we are lost, it would not be because God has changed, but it would be because you have changed. For his salvation is still there, his arm is still stretched out, his ear is still there to hear us, beloved. And by our own decisions, we have distorted God's thoughts, our thoughts and feelings about our God so that we made it impossible for us to repent because we're only focusing on the negative of God and we do not see the goodness of God. Look at the quote here. And this is the, this is the unpardonable sin right here. A sin that cannot be forgiven. And this is a sin, Romans 2 verse 4. You despise thou the riches of his goodness. See, sin distorts God's goodness into his evil. You despise his goodness, his forbearance, and his patience, his long-suffering. Don't you know that the goodness of God is the only thing that leads you to repentance? The very thing that you're despising this morning, God's goodness, is the very thing that is your salvation. And that's why every time you hear someone talk negative about someone, what you're doing is you're looking on the negative side of things rather than talking about the goodness of God, beloved, this morning that can lead you to repentance, beloved. Amen? We are to look at God's goodness this morning. We are to look at his mercy, his forbearance, his long-suffering, his patience, his love this morning, beloved. Amen? Look on the good things, what God has called you to look at, not on the wicked things. In other words, sin leads us into a vicious cycle in which we cannot get out of unless we miraculously see the goodness of God. And the only thing that can break the dangerous cycle of sin, beloved, this morning, is the character or the goodness of God here this morning, beloved. Amen? Especially as it's revealed on the cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary reveals to the full extent the goodness, the love, the mercy of God here this morning, beloved. Amen? That is what the cross reveals. Our last text is Romans chapter 11, verse 29. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. What would many be without? 
the Bible says, for the gifts of God and the calling of God are without repentance. Even though God has sent his gifts down to us of his goodness, even though God sends his messages of love, there will still be some who will choose not to see his goodness and not repent. There will still be some who will be without repentance in life because they've chosen not to focus on his messages of love. They've chosen not to focus on his gifts of goodness to them. And thus they choose to focus on what they hear or what the gossip or the rumors or whatever. They focus on the negative things in life and they never be brought to the true repentance that leads to salvation. And therefore, we are lost at last, beloved. It would not be because of God, because God is good. He tried everything possible, but it would be because of our own choice here this morning. Jesus Christ would do everything possible to help you to see how good God really is. But there are some who never do, who never do it, He'll never force you to love him this morning, beloved. He'll never compel you to believe the truth about him. He'll never coerce you to serve him, but instead he'll continually chase you with the hopes that one day you will believe. So what will you believe this morning? Will you believe what God says? Or will you believe what others say about him? What will you believe this morning? Beloved, if it's truly God's word that you want to believe in, that he is a character of love. Let me see your hands with me this morning. Let's raise our hands to him. Amen. God is good this morning. And we want to see Jesus this morning. Our closing hymn is 494. We would see Jesus. 494.